Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. One particular July 2002, it went from a normal box score morning to an extraordinary morning because plastered on the front page of the sports section was an announcement of a basketball trade. And guess who it was for? Does anyone know? 2002 blockbuster trade. Not Ricky Davis, but that's a great guess. The Cleveland Cavaliers traded away Andre Miller for Darius Miles. Does anyone? Exactly. No one's like, who's Darius Miles? That's the point. That's the point. If you don't know who Darius Miles is, that's totally okay. All that you need to know about Darius Miles is that to a 10-year-old who watched SportsCenter, he was pretty much LeBron James. Because here's the thing about SportsCenter. They would play over and over and over again only the highlights. And Darius Miles played for the Los Angeles Clippers, and they were terrible, absolutely awful. But Darius Miles always had some sort of highlight dunk. And he, him and his teammates, they would run down the court, and they would do this. Sean just gave it to me. All right. So if you were 10 in 2002, you knew, you know, you maybe have known about Darius Miles. And Darius Miles to me was like a Hall of Famer. And my buddies and I, we would we would pretend to be Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson in the driveway. We would lower the hoop as low as it can go and we would not be able to jump and we would barely dunk on the 6-foot hoop and we would just, you know, throw up the Darius Miles. And so that morning, when I saw in the paper that the Cavs traded for Darius Miles, right? I was, it was like the best news I ever heard, I could have ever heard that the, the modern day Michael Jordan was coming to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, obviously, Darius Miles was not Michael Jordan, but to a 10 year old, I really thought that he was. I'd been waiting, I mean, I had a pretty hard 10 years of, of fandom, so I've been waiting 10 years, I know that's a long time, for the Cavs to be good. And. I saw right there, right next to my bowl of Lucky Charms, that the Cavs now had Darius Miles. And so I went to baseball practice. And I still, this is still one of my favorite stories to tell my friends. And when we ask, what's one thing that you thought was going to be amazing that actually wasn't? This is my thing. I thought that Darius Miles was going to bring home a championship. I went to baseball practice that night and I was like, guys, did you hear? Did you hear what happened? The Cavs got Darius Miles. We're going to win it all. They didn't win at all. Luckily for, for us and for me, the next year we got LeBron James. So Darius Miles became kind of um, inconsequential. But all that kind of funny little kid story to say, Darius Miles coming to Cleveland was amazing news to me. It was news that changed my entire day. It changed the way that I thought and the way that I reacted and the way that I talked to my friends. I couldn't talk about anything else that day besides Darius Miles. Amazing news. Just a little announcement in the paper sent me to the moon. Did you guys know that the majority of reported news is negative news? Do you guys know that? According to Matthew Dodd, he recently shared that in the Pew Research in the year 2020, 90%, 90% of articles from major U.S. news organizations were negative. 90%. We're negative. 
So I was interested, like, is that true? Of course, you know, this is statistic. Does that, what does that really mean? I was really interested. What, what is the effect of news? And what, is that a really a, a good um, statistic for news? Is that really what it, it is? And if that's true, what does bad news do to us? And so I dug a little bit deeper, and I found that Harvard did a study in 2014. So pretty recent, seven years. I mean, that's a pretty recent study that they surveyed 2,500 people who had some large stress in their life. And 40% of them said the number one, the number one thing that they stressed about was receiving bad news. Not even getting the bad news, just thinking about receiving bad news. 40% said that was their number one stress. And later on in that study, they found that major publications pushed 17 bits, 17 bits of negative news to their one bit of positive news. So major U.S. publications were, they were putting out 17 different negative stories to their one good news story. Good news story. Crazy. 40% of people who had stress said it was because of bad news and we were receiving a lot of bad news. So I just want to say, it's about time we get some good news, right? It's, a, it's about time we surround ourselves with some good news. A few years ago, I had a couple health scares. Thank God they were all okay. But just waiting on the result of whether it was good or bad news sent me in a spiral. Like My hands started to get really cold because all the blood like rushed to my inner extremities because I was freaking out over some possible bad news. And it was the good news that everything was going to be okay that released the pressure that was weighing me down. We need good news. We need it. And this morning, I'm going to teach through the announcement of the best news of all time. The extraordinary announcement that the coming Savior of the world has been born. Um, I'm introducing uh, uh, this morning our Christmas series called A King for All Seasons. We have Christmas trees and decorations. And um, this week and the next three weeks, we're going to be going through our Christmas series talking about a king for all season. And, and in your notes, you'll see that in the account of Jesus' birth in Matthew, he's called Emmanuel. And Emmanuel literally means God with us. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be focusing our Christmas season on the fact that the celebration of Christmas is that Jesus is Emmanuel and He is with you in all seasons of life, in celebration and in grief. He's with you. In times of fruitfulness where it feels like everything you do just bears good fruit, and even when your branches are bare, He's with you. When you're in the valley of the shadow of death, or you're at the top of the mountain, He's with you. And He's not just with you in all seasons of life. Christmas is a launching pad to say that Jesus is with you for the whole year. Because Christmas in July is real. Because in July, Jesus is with you. And you can celebrate the fact that Jesus came to be a man to walk among you. And so, I might be singing Christmas in July this year. Jesus is with us in all seasons of life. And the birth of Christ is the inauguration, the first time that we got to grasp that if you're a child of God, He's always with you. Now, there are a few challenges in teaching a Christmas series. And personally for me, um, challenges with teaching a Christmas, Christmas message, and there are some challenges with listening to a Christmas message. 
Timothy Keller talked about it, and he said, the hardest thing about a Christmas message is going back to familiar words and familiar themes and letting them address you instead of lulling you to sleep. So we've been in Christmas, uh, I've been to a ton of Christmas messages and went to Christmas Eve my whole life and, and did the whole thing. And so these are familiar themes and familiar messages. And there's a challenge to not just sit there and go, well, it's Christmas, so I'm checking it off the list. This is what we do at Christmas time. The challenge is that rather than letting Christmas church be another thing that you do, it's to allow the words of God to fully address your heart. And as Jesus is Emmanuel, God with you, my prayer is that this Christmas season, you would recognize that God is going after you too. And amid all the glamour and tradition, it's to allow the words of Christ to come after your heart. And so I'm going to actually pray. I'm going to kick off our series by praying for that. So let's pray. Let's go to the Lord. Jesus, I just want to thank you for coming to live among us. And I pray that um, over the next month as we celebrate family and friends and tradition and we get to sit around a tree in open presence, Lord, that we would um, not let the nostalgia and sentimental value be more glorious than the very stunning and shocking reality that God came to be a man and live among us. And for those of us that Christmas is a hard season, for whatever reason, Lord, I pray that Southside would be a church that um, we would embrace each other exactly where we are, not stifling each other's joy and also um, comforting those where, when it gets tough over the next month. Help us to see you as uh, a good God, Emmanuel with us, that whatever step we take, whether it's the Christmas season or not, that we get to have you by our side. And I pray that that's true. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, a familiar passage. And it's in your notes. So let's go ahead and read Luke chapter 2, 8 through 10. And in the same region... There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So just to set the scene, we, we've got some shepherds who are tending to their sheep at night, probably in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, I mean, this is, like, it's dull to me. I had to pray and ask God this week, like, can you help me for this to come alive to me again? Because if you really try to put yourself in that region... You have to remember, these shepherds are tending to flock to their flock, and some angels came out of nowhere. Like, legitimate, real angels. Probably, like, to the right. And they looked up, it's like, it's nighttime. We don't have, okay, we only have natural light. What is that? What is, 
We, it's only been dark for a few hours. I know the sun doesn't come up for a while. And these angels came to them to announce some amazing news. I mean, that alone is shocking, right? Shocking that some angels came and talked to these random shepherds. Random shepherds. And um, there's just a couple observations that I have about this news, but I want you guys to know that the news was extraordinary simply because God is the one who sent the news. So it could have been that God is with you. That's extraordinary because it's good news from God. The three observations that I have this morning about the announcement made by the angels to the shepherds is that the news is good, the news is accessible, and it's alive. And we talked about what bad news does to us, but what happens when we get good news? There's actually plenty of, of Scripture in the Bible about it, but Proverbs 2.10 is just one of them. It says this, For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. And what he's talking about is that when you have good news from God, good wisdom from God, good knowledge from God, it's a balm for your soul. It's pleasant to your soul. It's comfort to your soul. If bad news brings stress, the power in good news is a rest that's unexplainable. The way that I think about it is, when I was a little kid and I thought the whole world was going to like... I, one thing that I used to ask is that Jesus wouldn't come back until I made the major leagues. I would say, Jesus, please don't come back until I'm a pro baseball player. That's what I wanted to do. And I would sometimes freak out about little things. And if my mom or my dad said, all they had to say is, it's going to be okay, I was good. I was fine. I could go to sleep. If I had nightmares and my parents came and they said, it's going to be fine, I was like, Really? Like, yeah. Like, all right, well, I'm good now. It was like this unexplainable rest that came to me if my parents would just say, it's going to be okay. Don't stress out. All right, well, I'm good then. Lucky charms in the morning, I guess. That's what good news does to us. It gives us a rest that's unexplainable. And good, accessible, living news does something incredible. In the beginning, it changes just a few lives. These shepherds, you know, shocked. They drop, and we'll get to that, but they dropped everything they had to go see Jesus. And then it began to change an entire culture, this message, this news about Jesus. And then it changed a whole region. And eventually, and entirely one day, it's going to change the entire world. The Word of God, the good news. When it's good and accessible and alive, it does something incredible. And so we're going to walk through the characteristics of this news, and, and that's all we're going to do this morning. So the first thing is this, the news is good, and this is in your notes. The first characteristic about the news that the angels brought to the shepherds is that it's good news. Now what makes it good? Verses 10 through 11 says this, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. Around the year 700 B.C. in the land of Judah. Right, that's some fancy things. But 700 years before Jesus was born, in the land of Judah, there was a prophet named Isaiah. And Isaiah wrote that there would be a baby born to this people. And he gives some characteristics about this baby. He said he's going to be a king that's going to come, and he, 
He says this, that this baby was going to be born in the same town as David. Now, just historically, doesn't matter what you believe, King David was born in Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I mean, check, right? 700 years, they talk about that. In the same lineage as David. That means David's successor in which Jesus was. But it gets better than that. He talks about the king as being a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. And that's pretty cool. But then he goes one step further. He describes the king as one that would establish an entirely new, free, and peaceful kingdom that would have no end. So he prophesied about this. Isaiah did, and for 700 years, that's a long time, for 700 years, the king hadn't come. So we're going to get back to the, shocking, the shock value for these shepherds, right? We've got some shepherds chilling in the middle of the night, tending to their sheep, and angels come out of nowhere. And they don't just come to say, hey, right? They didn't just like, how's it going? They came to announce amazing news that the prophesied king from 700 years ago that's going to establish a new kingdom for all men and women to live under peaceably has been born. He's here. Now, something interesting about kings and queens is that if you look back at history, every king in the history of the world, every single one, has gained their throne through blood-bought revolution. Everyone. And if they didn't do it themselves, their predecessors did. So if you want to know how a king or queen has a throne, all you have to do is look to see who won the war in that land. That's how kings came to be. But the good news that the shepherds heard from the angels is that the best king of all time has arrived and his ruling kingship is different. He's ruled by love and mercy and so the way that he acts as a king is love and mercy. And we've talked about some of the correlating differences between Jesus as a king and the way that the world has acted as kings and queens, but kings and queens in history established their kingdom by shedding the blood of their enemies. That's what they did. And we know this, but it's incredible and it's lost on us sometimes that Jesus established his kingdom by humbly arriving as a baby and allowing his enemies to shed his blood. Kings would validate only men of high honor, especially in this time. Jesus gave dignity to all men and all women of all nations and all statuses. Now you have to get this, even today, in God's kingdom, there are no peasants. There are no peasants in His kingdom. We have a good king that says, you are of high value because you are a citizen of my kingdom. Kings would wage war against their enemies to keep their throne safe. So if kings and queens felt like their throne was threatened, right? Like, something's about to happen, we're about to enter some sort of war, we made somebody mad. There's a couple things that would happen. Some kings, they would gather all of their supplies and they would prepare for a siege. And they'd be like, you know what, we have the castle, we can just starve them out and we'll be fine. Our throne's going to be fine, protected. Other kings would go on the attack and they would say, 
we're going to get them before they can even get here. And so if they felt threatened, their throne was threatened, kings would wage war. But get this, Jesus let his enemies wage war against him. And his throne wasn't threatened, his throne and kingdom emerged. I mean, it's completely backwards and countercultural, but it's incredible. And this might be kitschy and cliche, but Jesus also gained his throne by a blood-bought revolution. It was only his blood, willingly shed. And so a king emerges in the most unlikely of ways. Born in an animal shelter to a no-name teenager, revealed to unesteemed shepherds. It's all backwards. And that's the point of the story, is that the countercultural king has come to establish his countercultural kingdom. And what the shepherds heard from the angels is that there's going to be no end to the peace that God is bringing and it was amazing to them. Absolutely incredible. Think about this, that one of the uh, gifts of being a citizen of the kingdom is that the peace that you have has no end. It's an automatic gift, no requirements. When you gain citizenship under Jesus, you have full access to eternal peace in Him. I mean, that's enough to put me on my knees and praise Him. The good news is that God's answer to your brokenness is not an empty pump-up speech. The good news of Christmas is that now and forevermore, we have Christ with us. Emmanuel, God with us through every season. The gift of Christmas, the best gift of Christmas, isn't even like the wisdom and the theology in God. And those are all great things. But the best gift of Christmas, what we learn from this story, this narrative, is that the best gift of Christmas, the reason that it's good news, is that you get God. You get God Himself. The news is good because we have Emmanuel, God with us. Now, why would it be good news? I mean, some people might say that's not good news, right? I don't know. I wouldn't say that. But some people could say, okay, you get God, but I don't know if that's good. Up to this point, experiencing God was almost always a fearful experience. And so the angels know that about the shepherds. And so they have to say right out of the gate before they even announce anything, fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good news of great joy about Jesus. And this news, this good news is not a news of fear. It's of comfort. It's good news because Jesus is not a fear monger and he's not an egomaniac. And 2 Corinthians 1.3 describes him the God of all comfort. Jesus' message is not a message of fear. It's a message of comfort to all men. And that's a, a, um, it's a story that we've heard over and over again, but it's one that when you really start to think about it again, brings comfort and joy. That Christmas is the reminder that in Christ, you don't just get the peace of God and you don't just get the comfort of God and you don't just get the joy of God and all of those things the shepherds heard from the angels that they would get. The good news is that Christmas reminds us that you get the God of peace and the God of comfort and the God of joy 
and he's arrived. And that's good news. The next thing is that the news is accessible. So if you have good news, but you can't ac access the news, doesn't really do anything, right? I mean, I think about when, uh, and I know I've done a lot of sports analogies today, so I'll, next time, no sports analogies. I'll let you guys hold me to that, all right? But there was an a, 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 a online newspaper called Grantland, and you could read, like, the first two lines of these sports stories, and then it would be like, you try to scroll, and it would say, for subscribers only. There was a paywall, and I was like, I have to put my credit card, I have to put my debit card in here, 99 cents to read the rest of this, I don't know if I really want to, I mean, that's kind of steep. And then they made it subscriber, like you had to pay a subscription, I have to pay $10 a month to read this one article, I don't even know if I want to read any more articles, right? The good news about Jesus is that there's no paywall. You don't have to be a subscriber to hear the news. It's accessible news. The angels appeared to shepherds. And it's important to note that the shepherds were not esteemed in this culture. They were considered low and not glorious or lofty. They were just ordinary working men. Probably really dirty. I mean, they're working... The third, they're working third shift, right? They're, they're working at night trying to tend to their flock. I mean, probably trying to protect their sheep from wolves and other sorts of mammals. And Jesus came to them. And we know it's accessible because Jesus oftentimes would allow classless, low people experience His goodness first as a sign that the relationship is open to anyone. Now, if Jesus only appeared to the high religious men and women of that day, it would be like, well, of course they get the news. I mean, that's what they do. That's who they are. But Jesus came to the shepherds. And then, when Jesus rose from the dead, He went to women. The news is accessible. There are no requirements but there's also no special privileges. So the religious leaders got to have the news too, but they didn't have some sort of privilege to the news. And the shepherds weren't excluded from the news because they had no social status. Neither social status or your godly intellect rejects or gives you access to the news about Jesus. And that's really, really important because if you start to think that because I think right about God, then I get to have more news about God. It's not how it works. You cannot get any more access to the news of God. Whether you want it or you don't, you have access. I mean, that's what Jesus did for us. You've got access to the news. It's accessible. The angels came to the shepherds. And the best news of all time came to them first. The Savior of the world has come. And the news goes one step further in its accessibility. It wasn't just accessible news, it was also personal news. And that's that the Bible says that for unto you a child is born. Unto you. So it goes one step farther. It's not just accessible news, it's also for them. The accessible news was for them and it's also for you. And that's really good news because the good news is not 
blocked by a paywall. It's available to you. And if you let it, the news will take root in your life and bear good fruit. And that's what happens with the shepherds. They recognize that the news was not just good news, and it wasn't just accessible news. It was also for them. I mean, shocking that the angels came and said, for unto you a child is born. The, lowly, the lowest of the class of that whole region, the child was born unto them. And so, the child's also born unto you, too. So the news is accessible. And lastly, this is our application, the news is alive. The news is alive. I'm going to read quickly verses 15 through 18 of chapter 2. It says this, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So this news did not remain stagnant in the shepherds. And the news is alive because Jesus is alive. And when the news about Jesus takes hold in your heart, it starts to do something. It starts to change you. It starts to course through your veins and through your body and into your heart. And you start to make decisions based on the kingdom because the good, accessible news of God is actually alive. It's living. And it does something to you. And sometimes it's suddenly. Sometimes an angel's going to appear out of the right, and the angels are going to be shocked, and they're going to drop everything that they had to do, and they have to go see Jesus. Sometimes it's suddenly, and for some of you, that might, that's might how, how it was, is that it was suddenly. But the goodness of God is that sometimes you hear the same Christmas message your whole life. You can hear it a million times, and maybe the million and one time is the time where the news becomes alive to you. And maybe you hear it two million times, and then it comes alive to you. And maybe you hear it a billion times, and then it comes alive to you because in God's kingdom, the living news is accessible to you even if you've heard it your whole life. And the living news of God, when it takes root in your life, it changes your priorities. That's what happens to, happened to the shepherds. They heard about the king that was prophesied from Isaiah, and they like left their sheep. I mean, that's their livelihood. And said, we got to go see this baby. We got to. It reminds me of Seinfeld. Got to see the baby, right? They had to see the baby. Thank you. Someone got that. <laughs> they had to see the baby. And they went and saw the baby. They dropped everything because... Here's what they had to do, and this is what happens when the living news comes to you. They had to put themselves in a position to experience the presence of God. Living, the living news of Christ began to course through their veins, and they started to look different. And the, Chris, uh, the Christmas story in a Christmas series is challenging because it's familiar. Because we've, we've heard, if you've, if you've been to a Christmas message in your life, you've heard this already, Right? It's familiar, but maybe today is that two billionth time where the good, accessible, living news of God will take root in your life. And so I'm going to ask the music team to come on up. I'm going to close here.
But maybe today is your day to respond to this good, accessible news. That the message of Christ is for everyone. And get this, if this is the first time you've ever heard this, it's for you. First time you, you have access to the news. But incredibly, that if you think you don't need... I mean, this is how deep the grace of God goes. If you think you don't need the news you still get access to the news. That's amazing. Jesus is gracious enough to bring you His news again. So, the thing that I was asking myself and that I prayed for this week, and this is my challenge, my application for you, is that you pray and ask God that the the news and the message of Christmas becomes alive to you over this next month. That it invigorates your life for more presence of God. The good news and the living, active news is that God has been born unto you. And receiving the gospel is not just understanding an abstract idea, but it's believing by faith that the glorious God of the universe came humbly as a baby and He changes you and gives you better and good priorities. And so, uh, the music team's going to sing the first Noel. We're going to do you guys are going to remain seated, but I saw this on the notes that we were going to be singing the first Noel, and I started to think, what does Noel mean? Because I've heard that song my whole life, but it means news, which is really cool. The first news, the best news ever, that the King of Israel has been born unto you in 2021 in Worcester, Ohio. That's incredible. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for coming as a baby. And giving us good, accessible, living news that changes us, that reshifts our priorities to be your priorities. And I pray this morning that if there's someone who's heard the message two billion times, that you would let them know and see that this news is still for them and they're allowed to have it. And that means that you're for them. I pray for any of those of us in the room where Christmas is challenging for any reason whatsoever. Lord, that this month would be a a sweet, comforting month of reminders that the living God came to be among us and to embrace us. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening. Check out our website at southsideworcester.com.